may have noticed, we have communion here at the center, the bread and the cup. Earlier today, we had a, a gathering with about 150 pastors and we broke bread. And we talked about how, did you guys know that for 1500 years, the church always had the bread and the cup at the center of the church. It was only 500 years ago that a guy thought it'd be a good idea to move communion to the side and put his pulpit in the center. And now suddenly everyone's staring at the guy at the pulpit. And communion was moved to the side. And then other guys started following that pattern and saying, oh, I want my pulpit in the middle. Good idea, let's put my pulpit in the middle too. And then pretty soon, you've got this world full of pulpits at the center of churches. And then people started arguing about which pulpit was the right pulpit. My pastor preaches more accurately than your pastor. And pretty soon, more and more divisions started happening because we put the pulpit at the center of the church. And suddenly people were staring at a man rather than the body and blood of Jesus. And this morning we said, what if we put the bread and the cup back at the center? And we had, you guys, I've been doing this a long time and what we experienced this morning was like nothing I've ever experienced. And I think every pastor that was there today, I mean, many of us were just, crying through the afternoon like we didn't want to leave. It was so powerful because Christ was put at the center. This is the way it's supposed to be. Then I want to get to the side. I want to bow. I want to worship. See, this is my job as a, as a preacher. You're not supposed to look at me. This is all I'm supposed to do. This is all they do in heaven. We say on earth as it is in heaven. Well, in heaven, everyone say worthy is the lamb who was slain. No one's doing this. Look at me. They're doing this. And I've had to repent of all the years I like this. Look over here, look over here. Or maybe I did one of these, I kind of half and half. Instead of going. And everyone look at him. Everyone stare at him. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. God made him who knew no sin become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God before him. Last night, Andy talked about Martha and Mary and about distractions. And I don't wanna be a distraction tonight. 
and I don't want to be distracted tonight. As a speaker, it is so distracting to have a crowd here because everyone comes with expectations and if I allow my heart to do so, I'll, I'll try to meet all your expectations, what you expect me to do. And I'll start thinking, oh, I hope they like me. I hope they like this message, all these distractions. Do you know how hard it is to pray when you're on a stage like this? And then pretty soon, you're not even looking at God anymore and talking to him, which is what prayer is supposed to be, me talking to God, as, 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 as Gabe was talking about earlier, how he has those high angels covering themselves up, screaming, holy, holy, holy. And I'm gonna approach that God and speak to him. But I can get distracted and anxious about so many things. Oh, how does my prayer sound to them? And then pretty soon, I'm not even talking to him anymore. I'm talking to you. And I got distracted by you. We can get caught up. We do this and pretty soon everyone's talking about the sermon or the worship team. Rather than Jesus and how worthy he is and how good he is. So I wanna pray, but I wanna really pray. I wanna really think about who I'm speaking to. So if you guys could all do me a favor right now, could everyone just take like the deepest breath they could take all at once, ready, let's go. Let it out. Do you realize you were only able to do that because he allowed you to? He just gave me another one. Every breath. If the Lord wills, I'll take another breath. If he allows, I'll take another one. Do you really believe that there is someone up there who determines whether you take another breath or not? That's how dependent we are on him. Don't forget that. Who am I? I'm a person who is one breath away. The moment God decides Francis is done, another breath will not enter these lungs. That's the person I'm speaking to. Earlier we said, we were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, 
who was and is and is to come. The Bible says that there's these four living creatures and their bodies are covered with eyes. One has a face like a lion, one has a face like an ox, one has a face like an eagle, and one has a face like a man. Each of them have six wings and they're covered with eyes, even in their wings, two in, in the front and back. And all they do, it says day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. These creatures that would terrify us, the Bible says day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We said it maybe 10 times. And some of us are going, okay, let's switch to something else. And yet these high angels, this, they've been doing it all day. When you go to bed tonight, those angels will be looking at him, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And there's this, this tremendous worship going on in heaven. So at 6.15, when we began worshiping, we didn't begin the worship. Worship was going on in heaven and we wanted on earth like it was in heaven. We wanted to just join the angels. You understand that? The angels don't stop worshiping. Every once in a while, we're wise enough to join them and look at that God who's giving us breath right now. And we stare at him and say, I agree with the angels. Holy, holy, holy. Not just with my lips, but with my heart. I believe you are set apart. There's none like you. Did you know that if God opened up the heavens and let us see his face right now, that we would all die instantaneously? Because Moses said to God, God, can I see your face? And God says, no human being can see my face and live. That's the God I'm about to speak to and ask him, to have mercy on us, to pour his grace out on us, to speak to us and give us the ability to worship him properly. So would you just close your eyes for a second and picture heaven
I don't know what you imagine heaven to look like, but let me just describe it for you because there are people who've actually been there and lived to describe it. Whether it's in vision or what, we're not sure, but just keep your eyes closed and imagine this. This is John's account when he was taken into heaven in Revelation 4. After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones and seated on the throne were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were seven burning torches of fire which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was as it were a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight, and the four living creatures, each of them, with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. So imagine going before the throne right now. There's a being on the throne that is glowing, lightning and thunder coming from his throne, pillars of fire around his throne, four living creatures around his throne. And now you approach that throne. What would be the first words out of your mouth? Thank you. 
holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Father, change our hearts to where all of us take the spotlight off of ourselves. Make it our heart's desire to shine it on you. That every word that comes out of our mouths is directed to you and your glory. Forgive us, Lord. If we came here just for us, the expectations for us, worthy are you. May it be on earth as it is in heaven. Just tonight, Lord, tonight in Potch, May it be in potch like it is in heaven. Just with this crowd of people right here on this field, may it be on this field like it is in heaven where we're lost in you and we're not thinking about ourselves, we're just thinking about your glory. How beautiful you are. This is the one thing we ask one thing we seek tonight, that we would dwell in the house of the Lord, just to be in that temple with you in heaven, gazing at your beauty. You're beautiful. Praise you, Lord. Father, today, make us people who tremble at your word as we hear your word. And we honor it. You're so good, Lord. And we pray all these things in the name of our Savior, our Lord and our Savior, our King, our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen. In Ephesians 2, it says that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. That's what we've come to celebrate tonight, is that we were dead 
all of us. He says, we're like zombies just following the course of the world. We're just doing what the world does. We're following the prince of the power of the air. That's, that's, that's Satan. Okay, it's not just about following the world. It's about following the devil, literally. And he says that, that, that we, we're following those who have the spirit of disobedience in them. And we were all among them. And, and he says, all we could do, we, we, we were dead. Like we had no control over it. It's like while something looked attractive to us, we'd reach out and touch it. Like, like Eve with that apple, we would just go. And it's like, we were following the desires. See, this is the course of the world. The world is always gonna tell you, if it feels good, just go for it and don't let anyone restrict you. He says, and, and he says, we were like that. We were just carrying out whatever I felt like doing in my body, well, the, the evil thoughts that I thought of in my mind, I just gravitated towards those things. And the Bible says, so I was by nature, think about this phrase, by nature, children of wrath. That's a frightening term. We were all children of wrath. That means we're these objects because we followed the course of the world, because we followed the enemy. And the enemy thought he had us when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And then those words, but God. But holy, holy, holy God, being rich in mercy. That's just who he is. That, that, that this being, this, this almighty God that those angels are worshiping, he is rich in mercy. Okay, so that even when we were children of wrath, like we should be punished, we ought to be under the wrath of God for following the enemy. And God says, no, even while you are dead in your trespasses, I was rich in mercy. I don't want to punish you. Instead, I want to have mercy on you. God, we come here to celebrate a God who is rich in mercy. What if God wasn't rich in mercy? What if he was only a God of wrath? We can't control that. He's the creator. He does what he wants. But we're here because we're going, whoa. But he tells us he's rich in mercy. And so we're here celebrating that. Rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Just what was spoken earlier. God's not holding back his love. That being on that throne has great love towards you. So much so that even when he saw you in your sin, last night a third of you said, you had some pretty evil experiences on this field. At that moment, whatever you were doing, at the height of your evil, God says, even at that time, when I saw you throwing up on this field, 
committing deeds that I absolutely was repulsed by. I made you alive together with Christ because I'm rich in mercy. And so now you're no longer dead. You don't have to follow the course of the world. What's the course of the world? Here's the world. Here's the word of God. You know, I'm, as most of you know, I'm from America. So I say, yeah, not yah. <laughs> and in my country, there was a time in America when the world, America really was founded on Christian principles. Um, there, there was a time where there were just, there was, we weren't far off from the scriptures. But as you know, the world tends to move away from the word of God, right? And pretty soon, there's the world, and here's the word of God. And then what Christians do is we do this. Because we go, well, I'm not as bad as the world. Maybe the world is, the world came out with movies, and, and there was profanity. And so we think, okay, well, I'm not going to take part of that. But then the world got more evil. And it said, okay, we're not just going to have profanity in these movies. We'll have profanity and violence. And we go, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. Maybe I'll watch a movie with some profanity, but not violence. And the world goes, okay, we're going to have nudity. And so we go, well, I'm not going to watch a movie with nudity. I'll, I'll, I'll do some profanities, okay, and, and, th and there's a little bit of uh, violence, but not, I'm not going to do the nudity thing. Then the world goes, okay, we're going to just have full-blown sex on the screen. And you go, I'm not going to be the world, okay? I am not going to be like the world. They're watching like these NC-17. I'll watch Rated R. I'll watch a few sex, you know, I'll, I'll watch, you know, but I, and we just keep following, what are you doing? You're following the course of the world, but you, you just keep thinking, okay, but I haven't conformed to the world. I'm not as bad at the world. The problem is, where's the word of God? And suddenly we're all the way over here and we think we're not following the course of the world. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. You see that? Let's, let's not walk in their counsel. Blessed is a man who does not, there's a progression here. First you're walking with them, then you're standing there. You're standing in the path of sinners. And then finally he says, and then you're, you're seated 
You're sitting in the seat of scoffers. So first you start following them and walking with them, and then you're standing so close to them. But then as they start screaming out, as, as the world starts going, here's what's happened. The world starts going, wow, that book over there, those, those conservatives over there, they, they, they think that, that God dictates my sexuality and what I do with my body. And then pretty soon, churches feel the pressure and they become progressive. And then suddenly they're going, yes, we're not like those conservatives over there. And now suddenly churches are sitting in the seat of scoffers. Yeah, those old school, old fashioned conservative people that still think a man is a man and marriage is for a man. Are you kidding me? We're progressive. Yeah, you've progressed. You've progressed. You've progressed, but that was never our job. Our job was to stand on the word of God and not walk in this way. Here's where the word of God is. And blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the path of sinners or, or walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on it, he meditates day and night and he will be like a tree planted by streams of water His leaf never withers, bears fruit. Where are you? You guys, in scripture, it says the church, 1 Timothy 3, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, So if I delay, you, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. He calls the church of the living God, the pillar of truth. You know what a pillar is? Remember the story of Samson and how they chained him to the pillar and Samson breaks the pillar and the whole, you know, the, the whole roof caves in. The Bible calls the church the pillar of truth. Like we are the ones that are supposed to hold this up and say, I'm not going to walk in the counsel of the wicked. I'm not going to stand in the path of sinners. And I'm definitely not going to sit in the seat of scoffers. My delight is in the law of the Lord. I love his word. Whatever that holy God says, I love his word. He's right. He is right. He is good. His word is good. In Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Picture that. 
God sitting on his throne in heaven. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. This is what he says. Picture this little earth that you're on right now. Isn't it crazy to you that right now you and I are spinning at a thousand miles an hour and we're flying around a ball of fire called the sun at 67,000 miles an hour while we're spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And we don't even feel it. We're, we're flying around a ball of fire that's 1.3 million times the size of this earth. We're flying around it at 67,000 miles an hour while we're spinning at 1,000 miles an hour. And we're just sitting here. <laughs> Feel nothing. And then we go to Disneyland, ride the teacups, and throw up. <laughs> right? This is... This is what God spoke into existence. That's what he spoke into existence, a world like that. And he goes, that world, it's like my footstool. I'm in my throne in heaven, the lightning, the thunder, the fire, the angels all worshiping me. And the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. So all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. God's explaining who he is. He goes, you guys want to learn something about me? He goes, I, I sit in heaven and the earth is like my footstool. Okay, I created this whole insane system, solar. So I spoke it into existence and I'm sitting on my throne. The earth is like something I can rest my foot on. But let me tell you something else about me. Here's the one that I'll look to. The one who's humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Okay, this is what God says, then I'm gonna stay right here and tremble at his word. So you guys can follow the course of the world, but I've been made alive together with Christ. So I'm not like I was before, just following the course of the world, carrying out the desires of my body and mind, listening to the counsel of the wicked. Oh, this is what's popular now. This is what's popular now. And feel good because, well, at least I'm not as bad as them. No, but you're following them. You're following their course. And God says, no, I made you alive. You're stronger than that. Because I put my spirit in you. I made you alive together with Christ. He says, the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. Okay, picture, picture if, very gross, but imagine the crucified body of Christ on this stage. The body and blood of Christ on this stage. 
just bleeding out. He's been beaten. He's been just tortured. What you've seen, the floggings and ripping all the skin off of his body, the crown of thorns, the, the, the nails in his hands and side and, and just blood coming out from everywhere. The, the, you know, the, the spear that went into his side. And it's just like this, oh, it's like, like the Bible says he was unrecognizable as a man, just this mutilated piece of flesh. And the Bible says the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead. In fact, the Bible says that the spirit that's in us, the power that's in us, is like the power he worked when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the heavenly places far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one that is to come. Okay, so, so imagine the power it would take to take a dead body like that, and suddenly it comes back to life. Imagine that body coming to life. Imagine what you would feel if you saw that mutilated body come, come to life and stand up and look at you and say, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he ascends far, far above all rule, all authority and power and dominion. What does that look like? You're far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and above every name that's ever been named, not only in this age, but in the age that is to come. He says that power is now in you. I mean, imagine the power. How much power does it take for that to happen? He says that's the power that's in you, and he made us alive together with Christ. That's why, I don't know what lies you've been told, like, oh, you're stuck with that sin for the rest of your life. You're gonna struggle with that forever. Or do you tremble at his word, and you say, no. The spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead now lives in me, and just like he was raised far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. He says, that same power is at work within me. Now, in who we just pray to, we pray to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power that's at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. That's who we pray to. You guys, I have been blown away this week that I've been here in Potch. I was not expecting this. There is something that's going on here, like I said today, that I've never seen. I have a really hard time even thinking about going home in a couple of days. This is how much I'm struggling because I don't want to miss what God has started here. Okay? I am serious. It's, it's, this is not normal. It really isn't. 
But let me tell you what I've understood through the years because I believe a revival is starting. Revival, revival starts with repentance. Okay? Revival starts when you find yourself over here. Awfully close to the world. And Satan's fooled you thinking, well, but you're better than the world, so that's what makes you a Christian. No, revival starts when we are dead in your trespasses and sins and God revives you and he makes you alive together with Christ and you no longer have to follow the course of the world. You no longer listen to the counsel of the wicked and you find yourself back here by the power of the resurrected Christ and you go, no, I'm gonna embrace this and I'm gonna live here and I'm gonna be like a tree planted by streams of water and I'm gonna bear fruit and the world's gonna see that fruit and I'm gonna let my light shine before men so that they can see my good works and give glory to my Father who's in heaven. Revival begins when we repent of shining this light at our own faces and creating pages on Facebook that are all about us and making ourselves look good and saying, no, that's, that was the old me. That was, that was when I was following the world. Well, everyone makes one of those pages and, and everyone takes selfies and everyone, you know, the Bible says in the last days that the first thing he says is that there'll be terrible times because men will become lovers of self. There's gonna come a time when people become lovers of self. Because it's gonna get so bad at the end that people aren't gonna love God, they're gonna love self. They're gonna love selfies. And they'll just keep taking pictures of themselves and say, look at me, look at me, look at me. I, oh, oh, I look really good like this. Oh, I gotta stick my, oh, right? I, I know what you do. It, it, this will make me look thinner. Look at me, right? And make, he goes, in the last days, you're gonna be lovers of self, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. They're gonna follow the course of the world. Well, that's what everyone does. But I believe what God is calling here, what is happening in your city, and this is abnormal, that's why I don't wanna leave, is there's a group of people that are awakening, awakening, right? They're no longer dead in their trespasses and sins. They're awakening. And they're going, wait, I don't have to follow the course of the world because I've been awakened. I've been raised with Christ and I'm seated with him in the heavenly places. And the Bible says one day so that he can pour out his grace upon me. Show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I believe he's doing that. It starts with repentance. There are things that are hidden in this group. I don't know where you are in the spectrum, but maybe tonight God is awakening you like he did the dead body of Christ. And suddenly like Judas, you're looking at this bag of silver and you're going, I don't want it. This is not worth trading the savior for this and it no longer has power over you. And tonight, you're gonna go back to the word of God and tremble at it. And you'll say, go ahead, mock me. I'm not gonna sit in the seat of scoffers. I'll actually take it. 
because that's what Jesus did for me. I'll take the ridicule for my purity. I'll take the ridicule for not participating and follow the course of the world and not conforming. I'll stand alone. I'll take the narrow, difficult road rather than taking the wide road that's the course that everyone is taking that leads to destruction. No, I've been awakened and I'll take the narrow road and I'll hold fast to the word of God. I believe that's gonna happen tonight with some of you. You've wandered, you've strayed. And tonight we wanna exalt him and exalt his word and to know that, you know what, no longer am I gonna pursue the sexual immorality, but I'm gonna flee from it and I'm gonna pursue and run after righteousness because I wanna be here with the Lord and I wanna really be a part of his church that is the pillar of truth that upholds this book. So call me old fashioned, call me conservative, because all I care about is what God calls me. All I wanna do is see God in his temple and the word tells me, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. The guy over here is not gonna see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, years ago, I spoke at this high school conference, and I'll never forget it, because I said something like this and just told people to confess their sins to God. And then afterwards, one of the leaders comes up to me. You know, I'm done. I sit down. They start worshiping. And he says, Francis, I don't think you're done. Would you get back on the stage? We feel like God is telling you to open up the mic and just, and we're not doing this tonight, so don't be afraid. And he says, we feel like God is telling you to open up the mic and let people confess to the others what they've done. And I was like, well, are you sure? And they're like, yeah. And I, I go, I've never done anything like this. Like, we just feel like this is what God wants to do. And so I get up and I say, look, the Bible does say confess your sins to one another. But it does not say that you have to get in front of the whole crowd and share everything. But I said, but if God so leads you and you feel like you'd like to confess, then you're welcome to do it. And I remember first guy comes up and he's like, um, you know, at school, sometimes I swear. And I thought, all right, thank you. That's very safe. You know, and then, uh, but then uh, a gal gets up and she's, she gets up and she goes, um, you guys, I, I'm in a relationship with a guy that I should not be with and we have gone way further than I was supposed to. It is so impure. She's bawling and she goes, I, I'm leaving, I'm leaving him, I'm walking away. And I was like, wow, that's powerful. But then this, this kid comes up, big old kid, this football player, you know, from Texas. Everyone's big in Texas. And, uh, and he gets up and he starts sharing. He goes, some of you guys see me as a leader in the youth group. I'm a senior. He goes, I, I got to just tell you guys, I've been lying. He goes, when I was a freshman, 
I was leading a Bible study while I was looking at pornography. He goes, when I was a sophomore, I'm a leader in the youth group. But meanwhile, I had a girlfriend and we, we started sleeping together. He starts bawling. Then he goes, as a junior, I just started experimenting with guys. And then he, he like couldn't even talk anymore. And he goes, it got so bad, I, I tried to force my little brother. And I'm sitting here holding this mic going, what are you doing? What are you doing? At that moment, he didn't care when anyone thought he just wanted to be right before God and go, God, I don't care. I've been a liar. I just have to be right before a holy God. And that night, revival broke out in that camp. Everyone started confessing their sin. I mean, after that, it's like, okay, I killed a guy. You know, it's just, right? It's like, Oh my gosh, what did he just do in front of everyone before his senior year? What possesses that? That's a person who was awakened and says, I don't care what anyone thinks anymore. I just want to get right and I want to tremble at the word. God has made me alive together with Christ. You guys, I believe revival is coming here, but it starts with holiness. I believe we're gonna see God move in even stronger ways than, than us leaders saw this morning. But if we wanna see God, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And you guys, I'm not standing up here like I've always been here and I've never strayed. Okay, I'm the last person that will judge you because I was dead in my trespasses and sins. And what's, what's worse is I hear stories like, okay, I hear about Gabe and okay, I used to be this partier and you know, this, 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 you know, and I did this and I was horrible. And then Christ came into my life and, and he changed me. Okay. Well, my testimony's not like that. I was already a Christian. I already knew who Jesus was. I already believed in the cross. And, and, and so there's this like sickness, grossness in me, like where I know Jesus already. It's not like that when I was, I didn't know Jesus. It's like that prodigal who he was a son and he had the inheritance and then he still went. And, and it's just like, gosh, he should have known better. He, had, he, he already knew who his father was, but he ran away from him. And there's always that side of, I wish my testimony was one that, oh, I was so messed up. I was dead. I was a sinner. And then Christ found me. And wow, I became so holy. No, my my my. Testimony is in that. I knew who Jesus was. I called him my savior. 
and I just fell back into my sin. And then I turned back to the Father, and he came running out to me and embraced me and put a ring on my finger. I believe there's a lot of that that needs to go on tonight. That this gathering, maybe some of you never knew Jesus, and tonight you're saying, I want to be one with Christ. I've never asked him to be my king, and tonight I want to do that. But I think there's more who are like me that at some point in your life, after knowing Christ, you didn't even realize you were following the course of the world. And you were justifying that you didn't cross that line and actually, you know, conform exactly to the world. You didn't cross it. No, but you followed the course of the world. And tonight, God is calling us to repentance. There's a holy God in heaven with those angels screaming out his holiness. And the Bible says he stoops over to observe what goes on on the earth, his footstool. He's looking down at this field and the eyes of the Lord are searching throughout the field because he wants to just bless us. But it starts with our repentance. And so this is you I'm not going to draw this out or whatever. And you find yourself and you know this is you. You followed the course of the world. And tonight, Christ has enlightened your heart and he's awakened you. And you're saying, I'm coming back. I'm ending the relationship. I'm throwing away my phone. I'm doing whatever. I'm deleting my Facebook page or I'm changing it to glorify Christ. I don't know what it is that God's convicting you of, but if that's you today, and you realize you are so far from the word of God, and you're saying, I wanna be part of a new generation right here that trembles at his word, humble and contrite in spirit, pure in heart, because I want to see God, because I'm tired of living this way. When I was in my sin, every once in a while, someone would say, hey, Francis, I, I need to talk to you about something. And there would be this grossness, like this sickness in my stomach, like, oh, crap, do they know? Because I was hiding stuff. And that's what some of you guys have been doing. And if you're done hiding, then follow this example right here. Come up here, get on your face before an almighty father who wants to run up to you and embrace you. Revival begins with repentance. Let's repent before a holy God. If there's anyone else like that, just come up here and get on your knees like the rest of them.